Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story... Not a surprise. Many of the jobs that were lost during the COVID lockdowns, I'm really not going to call it a pandemic because this was an economic consequence of economic decisions that had absolutely no bearing with science, even a technocratic cost benefit analysis, nothing. They locked this thing down. It was very clearly the controlled demolition of the American economy, as opposed to the creative destruction that happens when bloated companies go out of business, go bankrupt. That is exactly what I think they were going to. I was talking about it before then. It's like the interest rates are too low for 11 years out in an expansion. Something's going to happen. And the economy totally crashed. And now we're being told that there's a great reset. That includes economics. And also, it was very clear that the lockdowns were going to be highly regressive when it came to people's jobs. Blue-collar workers who are out there in the field whose jobs effectively would not be replaced by technology under normal circumstances. Those people were barred from working because they were human organisms that could spew invisible monsters that are trying to kill everybody. So they took all those people out. And what it did was this is a big article in the Wall Street Journal. I won't read you the blow by blow like I normally do because we have so much material today. But what they're talking about there is that businesses have taken this opportunity to shut down operations automate processes, get rid of labor, streamline efficiently. You would never have been able to do that during a normal competitive environment because the little guy would move in. So what you do is you make this situation where you have a lot of dry powder. You can last a year. You can implement all this really capital intensive stuff. Your competitors cannot do that. They don't have the money. They might not even have the money to sit out for a year. And then at the end of the day, you have two big barriers to entry. One is regulatory barriers of having to clean, 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 or have COVID protocols or have surveillance. That'll favor Target over mom and pop any day of the week. And then the other thing is you're going to have companies that are so invested in capital that They've already spent that money. So from here on in, they don't have to make the money that pays for that. They already paid for that. They just have to make the money that covers their variable costs. And if you have a lot of capital and not a lot of labor, your variable costs are low. If you're coming in with a lot of labor, your variable costs can be high. So what you need to do in a business like that and an industry like that is you have to come in with a lot of capital yourself. That will block smaller entrance. And it also raises the risk for entry. So these guys have this barrier to entry that will continue to keep the power and the money at increasingly consolidated companies. And if you think that this is that what I'm saying would imply some kind of collusion, we'll just start watching World Economic Forum videos. The collusion is there. They want to make these industries big, global, controlled. And I think this is a great way to do it. The, the Yes, there's a little bit more to it, but keep going. The money that they need, you're right, they're going to need to have that financing in order to get into the businesses. And what that financing is going to be connected to is the ESG standards. So a business will either have to just take take a hit and not operate anymore or... Find another way around it or just accept the ESG money and start promoting social justice virtues all the time. 
and the incumbents, the people who have the power, will be able to call those shots and you will have to abide by that. And that in itself is going to be a de facto regulatory barrier to entry, which is going to further increase the amount that it costs to enter. That's what they say in the World Economic Forum. Like people don't companies don't want to follow our standards because they're expensive and they don't pay off. Well, they will pay off if you can't. You can't, and they even talk about this vaguely, that you cannot plug into the supply chain if they are going to control the supply chain unless you conform to these standards. And these standards are not in your best interest. These standards are about really third worlding us. They're, they're, it's about pushing out the upper middle class and having the middle class pay for a lower class. And two other things that, uh, stories that I have, I'm just a couple one-liners that feed into that theme, I think. One is, uh, well, in that Wall Street Journal thing, it talked about how housekeeping at hotels will be opt-in, not opt-out. You'll have to ask for it. It won't happen automatically. I experienced that when I went to Atlanta for Neighbors. And it goes to what Dean tweeted, that we are being downgraded. Like, we are. We're getting de-industrialized in a way. Not, not you know, in one way, we're getting hyper-industrialized. But in the other way, our standard of living is getting pushed down. Housekeeping and, optional? That's what you're saying? Yes, in the hotels. It was gross. I was like, where is the housekeepers? And they said... Uh, oh, they said that we we're not allowed to do it except for every four days because of COVID. I was like, okay, so I, so you want it to be dirtier because of COVID, but now they're just saying economically, and that's what they've been wanting to do for the longest time. It's a huge bill for for hotels. That made me think of something because you were mentioning robots a moment ago. Robots don't need to wear mask, but I bet we see a robot wearing a mask because it will comply. It will take orders. It'll probably just be like built in. It'll probably be like a, a design. Yeah. It'll just be like over the face. So uh, two other things. Pay, uh, patron James sent us an article uh, from the World Economic Forum saying, what do we do about super ostentatiously wealthy people? It's invidious, like it incites envy, not even that concentration of wealth causes suffering. It's that it causes envy. It was a very weird article. And it talks about all the different possible ways that you could keep billionaires from uh, ostentatious consumption. And it settles on, this is the world I come from, like Klaus Schwab does not want to delimit or limit uh, ostentatious consumption. I mean, Davos is the very is definition. Ostentatious, like if you're flagrant, like a conspicuous consumer, you flagrantly... You spend you know, recklessly because like, you have it, the money to. It's that you have, like you, you wear like 15 gold Cartier chains and then have a Prada bag and, you know, it's just really over the top. You know, it's like it's a nouveau riche. It's over the top. So Davos itself costs a million dollars to attend. Does it cost a million dollars for them to put you up in that hotel? No, it's it is almost like the price tag is the product sometimes. So what this guy recommends is what we need to do is put an exorbitant luxury tax on luxuries. But what does an exorbitant luxury tax on luxuries really do? What it does is it keeps out the upper middle class and the lower upper class from really enjoying those super, super high-end things, which they are beginning to be able to access at any kind of like market clearing price. But if you 
put, uh, you know, a $10,000 surcharge on certain luxury items that would otherwise be affordable. Just the mere fact of you wearing it or possessing it will show everyone that you are in a class alone. And that will get that I think will satisfy the egos of these people who they really, really want this tiny, tiny elite. I'm beginning to really think that this is part of what's going on there. And they want everybody else to be far below them far below them and this actually feeds into that that's in the world economic forum that's another downgrade element yeah it social media is an envy generating machine it creates this vicious cycle of envy where people see other people and then they spend a bunch of money so they can try and make their friends be envious and then they just stay preoccupied with things that don't matter and they get depressed and upset and jealous and they don't and you can't focus on on good things and this guy is saying that this is a way to address that but in fact it's a way to accentuate it because very few people will be able to attain that stuff. It'll be it'll be kind of awful. And then at the same time, speaking right to what you're talking about, California lawmakers just passed the U.S.'s first state-funded guaranteed minimum income, but they defined who could have it. They it is limited to it's a, a thirty-five million dollars they've allocated for monthly cash payments to qualifying pregnant people and young adults who recently left foster care and there's no restrictions on how they spend it. Can I make a prediction of what happens when you give young adults who have recently let foster care unlimited funding? Guess what's going to effing happen? I'll give you one word guess. Drugs? Exactly. They are going to, instead of having to sink or swim and function economically, which is what gets people from foreign countries to to uh, integrate into your economy. It's like you cannot let them just come in and go on welfare because those barriers to becoming productive. And I'm not saying we need like wage slaves. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about self-esteem. Go dig a hole and, and, and plant a potato. I don't care. But you're not doing that if you have free money, only enough money to do nothing, not enough money to do something. That is a short and you take the most vulnerable kids. I'm beginning to think this whole thing as pathological as COVID is and how targeted it is to young women's ovaries. I think that the whole effing society at this point and their focus on the on young people is in order to promote drug use, to promote mental illness and this kind of thing, giving them free only the most vulnerable. And the, I mean, did you say thirty five hundred dollars while you're pregnant? Now, $35 million has been allocated for monthly cash payments to this subgroup. I would say the pregnant I get, but the but this vulnerable at risk youth giving them unmod- I mean, it's just the worst possible. You know, it should be dad, single dad, say. Also, if you're paying people to be pregnant, then you're also encouraging at risk youth to but, get pregnant and stay point. pregnant. That's funny that you say that because I was just thinking, I mean, the reason I said like at risk dads of at risk youth is because the, it's the dads who who get driven from the home because they don't get welfare if the dad's there. We should be doing the opposite. Like the one of the biggest contributors to mental health and youth is their relationships with their fathers. Like that's what, if you want to give, give the dad the money and then he yeah. can actually take care of the kid. Right. But in this case, a lot of them won't and they'll end up in foster care. So creating babies of the state controllable. 
And the last the last piece of this puzzle is that the Democrat senators have unveiled a three and a half trillion dollar go it alone plan to fulfill Biden's agenda, which they are they're saying will include all this infrastructure stuff, but it will also have uh It'll it includes things like free community college, which is a terrible idea. You get then you get everybody in there who doesn't want to be there. It's just a high school with ashtrays or I guess that's not true anymore. But that's what it was when I went there. And uh, but paid leave, health care subsidies, extending boosted child care tax credits, helping families cover child care costs. So they pay people to have the babies and then they pay people to outsource their care. It's really messed up. And this is all under the guise of this infrastructure plan. But I think it feeds into the total uh, reset of the of the basic unit of society. I mean, it's not just an attack on family values. It's literally an attack on children. Yeah, this is what I was talking about with Biden's speech, I think, earlier this week when he was talking about his his American Families Plan, which is working in conjunction with the infrastructure plan, which is let's get the kids at the age of three and we'll also offer free child care from the age of zero to families that fit that income. And we'll give you thirty five hundred bucks per kid that you have. All part of an infrastructure plan? Yeah. Speaking of infrastructure, there's a lot of demonstrations of how we need infrastructure right now. It just seems a little a little coincidental to have so many stories like that building the condo in Miami. Then there was another story about a, a bridge. No, a hotel or something was collapsing that was being built in Washington, D.C., but they made it seem like it was collapsing. Well, today we have a story in Georgia, I-16, which is a major road that connects Atlanta to Savannah and the port down Savannah, one of the most popular ports. A lot of things come in and out of Savannah and they have to go on this bridge on I-16. Well, I-16 is closed right now because there's an overpass on I-16 falling down. There's a seven mile stretch that's closed after a truck smashed into the interstate overpass, shifting the bridge several feet and it's falling down so they're demolishing it they're completely demolishing this bridge it reminds me a lot of the bridge collapse and that happened in georgia a few years back i actually looked up to see if there was a what's it called guard vigilant guard yes there's a vigilant guard exercise but i haven't found one yet oh. i thought it would be kind of funny if there was hey in the newsletter letter every month i put a blast from the past kind of stuff that we put out that was before its time last month was bill cosby the coverage that on wsp we gave him uh Maybe you can find our best work on I-85, the bridge yeah. collapse. Yeah, there was a, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. It's a very interesting story. It was an exercise almost definitely, and we kind of proved it. But with this story here, they've already had to do the detours. And originally, they were going to be shut down till Monday. But now, a story just came out saying they might even have it done today. And the governor, Governor Kemp, is saying everybody's lent a hand, everybody's helped us out, we've used all our resources, stretched all our resources, and we've, we've gotten it done. And I don't gotten know if this would done. be in the news at all gotten if it wasn't. Done. They're getting that important road back open. So they demolished the bridge. They demolished the overpass. Immediately. Like yeah, this. they're just demolishing it. And they closed it while they were demolishing it, and they weren't going to be able to reopen the road that everybody needs to be on until Monday. But now they're saying they might even be able to have it done today because they're doing such good work. How much you want to bet that that whatever it was that they did to bypass this was already well already set up? Well, the reason it reminds me of the bridge, the Atlanta bridge collapse and the fire is because it looks like only one car was involved. Nobody seems to have gotten hurt. And 
I, I mean, I'm almost half expecting them to blame the same guy who they blamed the, they wrongly blamed the bridge collapse on. He happened to be driving the truck that ran into it Elsby, also. what was his name? Yeah, Elsby something. I can't remember. Yeah, and I mean, to say that a bridge structure, pillar, support beam can't take a hit from a truck is like saying a an 100-story skyscraper can't take a hit from a plane. They're designed right. for it. Yes, and... This just fits this ongoing theme. If maybe this was a, just a real and natural story, I don't know. Maybe it was something ginned up. It doesn't matter. The only reason that we are seeing and hearing about it is because of all of this infrastructure stuff. It fits that agenda. Therefore, it is on the national headlines everywhere. This is, this is how the news works. Agreed. There's a new war on terror going on. Right now. And we hear Biden talking about the focus is not going to be on international terrorism. It is going to be on domestic terrorism. And that's not just rhetoric. That is actually what they they are really waging war against what they are defining as domestic terrorists with the help of the media. And we discussed it a little bit yesterday. What they are defining as domestic terrorists are people who went to the Capitol on January 6th, among others. But this is the focus of where the war is right now. And an example of this is that U.S. prosecutors urged a federal judge yesterday to impose an 18-month prison sentence on the first defendant to face sentencing for a felony in the January 6th Capitol breach. Now, I want to point out here that they talk about the 500 people that have been charged or that they're that they've arrested and all of these they're expecting to charge 300 more but one person only one person has been sentenced and they were sentenced to a misdemeanor and it was just community service something like that this is the first felony that they're going to be sentencing and here's what the prosecutors did they're trying to get them to do 18 months and i'll tell you what the person did then i'll tell you the reasoning why they want to give them 18 months the person's crime the guy's name is paul hodgkins his crime was this he was photographed inside the senate chamber standing near that main desk down there wearing a trump 2020 shirt holding a trump 2020 flag he was standing near the q shaman as they all prayed down there. He was just standing there. And even the federal prosecutors and the government admit that he was not involved in any violence. He did not do anything to break or destroy any property. And he was not encouraging anybody. He seems like a mo- the way the government describes him, he seems like a model citizen who just happened to be marching through the Capitol with a Trump shirt and a Trump flag. And also he wore eye goggles at one point and he put on latex gloves at another point to provide assistance, medical assistance, first aid to someone who was hurt on the inside. So that is what this guy did. That's that's why they this is what the prosecutors are saying about this guy. I'm like, this guy sounds like a great guy. Oh, he aided and abetted a criminal? He was charged with five felonies, all of them related to entering the Capitol building, obstructing official government business, picketing inside the Capitol willfully. I mean, all of them are like the same crime, just a little bit described differently. I hate that. And he pled not guilty originally. But then he took a plea deal and he pled guilty to one charge of obstructing official business inside of the Capitol. So that's his charge, right? So this is the felony he's charged with. This comes with potentially a 20-year prison sentence. That's the maximum fine. But if you don't have a record, if you cooperate, if you seem to be a good citizen otherwise, then you're you're probably not even going to go to jail. But 
the lawyers here, even though they describe him as a good guy, they are requesting 18 months in prison for carrying a Trump flag around because they need him to be an example because they want to deter domestic terrorism. And here is how here's how they put it. They said the need to deter others is especially strong in cases involving domestic terrorism, where the breach of the Capitol certainly was domestic terrorism. And the kicker is this. They told the judge, even though. He has no such criminal behavior in the past, and he didn't do anything violent. Their beliefs make them unique among criminals in the likelihood of recidivism, which is the tendency to reoffend. So he is being prosecuted for his beliefs that they do not like. That and is what this d- d- war on domestic terrorism is. I, I mean, I can, I would say there's a few things that are unconstitutional there. One is I absolutely hate it when the same act is considered multiple crimes and then they use those different crimes and federal crimes don't exist in my opinion i I guess if it's federal property which i also question but i mean that did exist in the day so they they charge you with multiple crimes for the same thing which i consider to be double jeopardy kind of and then or something like that and then they tell you that they can give you those sentences serially which means they can threaten the guy with 100 years if it's five. If they're going to charge him with the same crime five times and the crime gets 20 years, they can threaten him for 100. So even if he knows for an absolute fact that he is innocent and thinks that there is a 99% chance he's going to get off, there's a 1% chance he's going to spend 100 years in jail. And I would further say, and then that's why, that's what's so dangerous about that, because then you have to take a plea bargain, which really, um, it, it, keeps you from having your Fifth Amendment right to a trial. And then finally, they look at the uh, to to put him in jail for the potential actions of others. I I mean, I know they use jail as a deterrent, but that also feels like a constitutional violation to me. Absolutely. Two more quick things that are important about this. The prosecutors are seeking enhanced domestic terrorism penalties, and they are going to double the sentence. If it's found to apply, they will receive a double sentence because of this domestic terrorism classification. And his own attorney, we've seen this theme. The attorneys of the of the defendants are advocating almost against the defendants or in weird ways. Anyway, his own attorney compared this to the Civil War. He urged the judge to follow the the example of President Lincoln's planned approach to the defeated South after the Civil War before he was assassinated, which is granting them leniency. So even his own lawyer is positioning his client as being the racist in the Civil War. I mean, this is this is crazy what they're doing. Yeah. And that brings other other elements in there. Uh, It's not it's not okay to make more more severe sentences because of what somebody thinks. You know, that's just absolutely not okay. I must get to the story about Haiti. There, There's all this news. I, I really think I absolutely nailed the Haiti thing minute one. That looked like a U.S.-led coup. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's partly because of their low COVID rates, low death rates, low vaccination rates, non-existent vaccination rates. All of that because that is the new, this is World War III and it's based on, on this uh, biological foundation for the new society it's going to be a worldwide society they have to take these people out they're knocking them out i mean these countries who stand up to this world plan you know i look i'm like why is every country every government from top to bottom capitulating it wasn't every country 
It wasn't Belarus, it wasn't Haiti, it wasn't uh, Burundi, it wasn't Tanzania. And those people are all getting taken out one by one. There's other reasons. I think it's very clear that Biden wants to reestablish Western hegemony, uh, the U.S. Uh, hegemony over the Western Hemisphere as we sunset, as the world hegemon, the unique one-time only world hegemon. We are. It's almost like, hey, you can have... Stop competing with me at the industry level. Stop competing with me to be the big guy. We will let you have this entire division, this entire um, market, and no one will ever mess with you. But you just structure the Western Hemisphere the way you want it. So they're going into the Northern Triangle. They're going into Haiti. They're going into Cuba. They already did Bolivia. And this is the you know Trump-Biden continuum, just like the Bush-Clinton-Obama continuum. It's just all the same with foreign policy. But the evidence is... The Colombians went in to do it. They were trained by the U.S. government over time. There was a Washington Post article. Oh, don't take that as such a big deal. We do it all the time. We have interoperability or we have like cross training all the time. Uh, They admit that. Um, DEA and FBI informants are among the suspected hitmen that we are actually admitting. Uh, And it says that. Um. Columbia, Colombian police identified 19 plane tickets purchased by a company credit card registered in Miami. They were used by some 21 Colombian suspects to travel from Bogota to Santo Domingo, the Dominican Republic, which shares the island with Haiti. So this is has got the U.S. name all over it. And then finally, there's this uh, article about the guy, the Florida self-proclaimed doctor who is arrested. He was being blamed. He's he's supposedly the one who wanted to who organized this whole thing. He's called the mastermind. He wanted to be president. He claims and I'm putting this in the show notes. He claims that the U.S. was behind the whole thing. Sounds like an episode of 24. It really does with the U.S. infiltrating these other countries. Here's what's funny. People will watch those shows and they'll like, you know, it makes enough sense for them to actually watch it. You know, it's not science fiction. They're watching it and they're like, oh, intrigue. Where do they think? Do do they think that authors invent stuff that is so outrageous it could never happen, does never happen? No, they do it in conjunction with the CIA. The CIA writes the scripts for some of these. I don't even understand. Like you could give them a script and people would be like, "Oh, that you know." I I just, I just don't. There's, there's just three kinds of people in the world: the sheep, the wolves, and the shepherds. Yes, there are. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is that Joe Biden doesn't just want to be the big guy to Hunter. He wants to be the world's big guy, completely dominating the world. But he's going to get he's going to yield to Kamala. That is, I guess there's some power of the black queen. I don't know what that even means, but uh, I had a great email from one of my favorite listeners who said, wow, your thing with Biden, like the Oedipal thing uh, being replaced by Kamala is so powerful. You're right. But it's not what you think. It's not just Oedipus. It's not an archetype. It's something bigger, which I really didn't understand. So please Queen be like Beyonce. Re-enlighten me. I don't know. But I think there is like a, a an archetypal or historical magical thing about the black queen that I just I don't know. Do you know about that? I don't know a lot about it, but I mean, I've I heard know that Beyonce a little bit stuff. about the way that they talk about Beyonce in that way and the Illuminati and stuff like that. There's I, a lot I don't of God lot and goddess stuff in that Illuminati yeah. thing. But black queen, I just don't know. 
Interesting. But let's just what to watch out for on that one. Yeah. So Big so, Daddy is gonna he's gonna <laughs> have to yield to Black Queen. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Some interesting oh, themes there. And one more thing. Apparently, Jamaica, and I realize this now, has tons of Chinese people the way Africa does, like Chinese businessmen and stuff moving in. And I had one patron say, maybe it's like an outpost, the way Russia made Cuba an outpost in the Western Hemisphere. Like Jamaica might be, uh, you know, the fact that she's Jamaican might might be important. Interesting. I'm sure. I'm sure it will play an important role at some point. In our last big story of the Free 30, we're going to talk about phase two of the vaccine push. This is getting downright dystopian. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the patient 15, which is German flooding, the pathocracy's force multiplier, and Tennessee abandons vaccine outreach to minors. But is this a trap? And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, governmentscam.com. Yes, I love government. It's government-scam.com slash Monica. That's your landing page. And you've heard us talk to Etienne de la Boetze Squared. You've heard me talk about the Larkin Rose books, What Anarchy Isn't, and The Greatest Superstition, the original government scam book, Government, the Greatest Scam in History. The All of those books, it, it, they are extremely well done. They're ways to express the most fundamental understanding of the true nature of government for every different age group and learning style government-scam.com the main book there government the biggest scam in history it's for visual learners it's a coffee table book it's meant to red pill anyone who looks at it zero to 60 in like an hour i've seen it work also the uh what anarchy isn't it has little cartoons in it i think that is great for like a a young adult somebody who uh just is open-minded the greatest superstition in history is about government being a superstition. I'd identified that myself. I always think this about philosophy. If you've actually figured it out already and then you hear someone articulate it, you know it's true. This is true. It's people think religion is a superstition or mind control. The government thing absolutely is. And then they just came out with Three Friends Free, which is a children's book. Now, this stuff is a way to get these messages across Maybe it's a tactic. Maybe it's it's a, a technique that can reach people where they are, as they say. But that's the only way to do it. Like discovering a technique, understanding a technique, it, it, it regardless of where it comes from, there are really effective ways of communicating fundamental ideas. And you, as someone who's listening to us right now, understand these ideas as true and good because you have discernment. You've come to them in your own way. To the extent that you think now is the time to open up some people's eyes to how we got here and what the answer is and what the answer isn't, I highly recommend these books. And what he has is an everything bundle. It's $100. I believe if you go to slash Monica, government-scam.com slash Monica, you get another 10% off. But it has Government, the Biggest Scam in History, Exposed. That's the coffee table book. It has uh, a 16 gig Liberator flash drive with a lot of resources. It has calls to action. It has events that are upcoming. It's amazing. Copy of Larkin Roses, The Most Dangerous Superstition, and What Anarchy Isn't, uh, plus Three Friends Free. 
One I haven't looked at yet, Sedition, Subversion, and Sabotage by Ben Stone. I think if Etienne is listening to me, I, I expect that I he's either sent it to me already and I just haven't found it or it'll be in, on my doorstep by the end <laughs> of the day. So I love that stuff. Thank you so much for listening to that. And I have gotten many emails of people who are very, very happy with their um purchases of those books yeah it's a fantastic strategy and they pull it off very well check it out you will you will enjoy it go to thepropreport.com as well and i want you to go to our products page and i want you to look at these fantastic products that monica designed and made sure to get the top quality we have the mug which is you can put a lot of coffee in it it's a solid mug you can beat an intruder over the head with it if you need to and it's a good looking mug as well pick one of those up because you can represent when you're having your morning coffee when you're going on a walk or whatever it's a cool mug get the t-shirt so you can find like-minded people help spread the word about the show it's a comfortable t-shirt it fits well other products on there as well. Check it out. We need to make sure we're spreading the word because the censorship is coming. The, the next round of The Purge is coming soon, and we need to make sure we have solidified our bases and gotten the word out there as much as possible. So, thepropreport.com. Check out that product page. Now on to the final story of the Free 30. So, Monica, the vaccine dystopia, wouldn't you say they're pushing that a little bit right now? Dude, I am shocked and horrified. I mean, they are it is atrocity propaganda of the highest order. And it's just like the war in Iraq, like they're saying, oh, a bunch of Saudis blew up the World Trade Center. So we need to invade Iraq. They're saying a bunch of people who have gotten vaccinated now have covid. So you need to get vaccinated. I saw the signs because people around me who are vaccinated are getting COVID now because this is L.A. It's ground zero for all this crap. For some reason, I don't know. But I started to speculate that this was how it was going to go, that the vaccines themselves or people who were vaccinated were the ones who were going to get the second surge. And it may well be disease enhancement where you are more prone to variations. Now, I don't take the variation elements of it very seriously because the variations aren't very extreme. However, sensitivity to variations becomes extreme as a side effect of vaccines sometimes. And that was something that Christiane Northrup expected. It, it, that is a, something to consider. In any case, their narrative does not fit the solution that they're recommending, but they're using the atrocity propaganda to connect the emotions and the fear with the solution they're recommending. And I'm, I'm appalled. It's appalling what they're doing. For example, yesterday they had this Guy come up from the, I don't even remember, the U.S. Surgeon General give the advisory on building a healthy information environment. And he didn't just give a speech. <laughs> he released a 22-page document. A 22-page document on this. And just to give you a quick sampling of one of the chapters is about what journalists can do and what media, media organizations can do. So you're not a journalist if you're being told what to do from a government agency, it, train journalists, editors, and others to recognize, correct, and avoid amplifying this misinformation. Proactively address the public's questions about these vaccines. Provide the public with the context to avoid skewing their perceptions about ongoing debates on health topics. I mean, they are spoon-feeding what to tell people they even say consider the headlines and images that inform rather than shock or provoke which in reality they're trying to shock and provoke with the images and headlines 
Absolutely. Oh, it's it's awful. I mean, and they justify it because they say they know what's good for you. I mean, any one of those people who believe pretends to believe in self-determination, self-governance, self-rule, democracy is and I'm not even I don't believe in democracy. I believe in all those other things. They are absolutely lying. And some of them are coming to terms with that because Trump has convinced them that democracy is a bad idea. Yeah. And one of the ways that they're trying to get the hesitant to switch over is they're rolling out examples of, look, I used to be vaccine hesitant, but now I got the jab. Here's why. And so they bring these people out to kind of document their stories. They give the surveys. And here's what a recent survey said about why people switched. 17% said they got it because a family member told them to do so. So the family was one. 10% said they got it because they were persuaded by a healthcare provider or doctor. So this is this is the effectiveness of the propaganda. The local doctors, 10% have gotten their patients to switch. 5% said they were convinced by a close friend. So they're, they're getting these statistics and they're finding out where the biggest level of change is and they're probably fueling that messaging into those influencers at that level. So in this example, we're going to have doctors and we're going to have, we want to put pressure on people by putting, by getting their families to get the shot and pressuring the uncle or the brother who won't do it and ostracizing them. And they say the reason that people don't want to get the shots right now is 21% worried about side effects, 16% worried about, worried that it's too new and untested, 12% say they don't need it, 7% say they want to wait and see. Another 7% says they don't normally get vaccines and they don't normally trust the shots. I feel like those are all the same reason. Like, we don't know. There's just too much uncertainty. Yes, uncertainty. Every one of those things could be corrected, could be addressed if you had long-term studies and animal studies. And they're not going to, because I just read that they are submitting, Pfizer's submitting for FDA approval. They've been put on the fast track for that. They said, uh, we expect it to come down in January. Then this guy, I don't know uh, who he is. He's definitely got a lot to say. His name is... Andy slave it. <laughs> he said we may even get it as early as July, which I, I don't know what that could. I think that might have been a typo because that would mean in the next two weeks. But the Alzheimer's drug just totally threw out any kind of standards that there used to be. You're right about that. You nailed that. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely did. And he says in a separate article, I looked into this guy because he just seems like such a propagandist mouthpiece. He said, I think that a lot of people, as they see the FDA give final approval, will, in fact, jump on the bandwagon and get vaccinated. I, I kind of saw that coming, too. I was like, do you not said jump focus. on the bandwagon. Yes. I said, do not do not hang your hat on the approval thing because it will be approved and it won't be 15 years. And now they're saying six months is going to be too long to wait. And they're just not going to. Their approval process is going to be gutted. It's it, it isn't enough time. It, or even the live trial that they are imposing on the general population isn't even supposed to be done until finished until April 2022. So even if this is the most unethical live trial in history, they're not even waiting for the results of that. They don't want the results. And the way they're actually conducting the live trial in looking at who's who's getting the cases and stuff, they're not qualifying them as people who are getting sick who have been vaccinated i mean it's really wacky yeah it is wacky it's it's otherworldly at this point and i you know analyzing the propaganda of it is very interesting to me although i do recognize how kind of terrifying it can be at times so this is i'm 
It's the propaganda that's terrifying, for sure. Yeah. Well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I think that wraps it up for today. Yes. I I actually, we have a bunch of extra stuff I want to talk about in the patron 15, so maybe we'll go long on that. I also wanted to tell people, yes, if you are going to Freedom Fest, please, we've got, uh, I think we have uh, some new listeners. Maybe they haven't heard this before, but I will be at Freedom Fest. If you want to meet me there, go to thepropreport.com slash meetups, hit the Freedom Fest thing, and if you comment in there or follow that when we get there, I'll tell you where, like, the first place I go to have drinks or whatever, I'll post it there. And I'm going to reinstitute the swag special offer. So I will send you a propaganda report mug or t-shirt if you become a patron saint. I have to put that up, but if you do become a patron saint, I will find you and I will email you with your choices. We will find you. It will be good timing because Saturday we are going to have a blockbuster patron saint Zoom party with uh, various patrons and friends of the show coming with their experiences of lawful activism. We are looking for solutions within the system. We look at agorism. We look at homesteading. Now, right for this show, we are exploring lawful solutions, lawful activism. And boy, did we have a really great response to that. So that's going to be two o'clock Eastern. If you are a patron saint, you will have access to the Zoom link. And if you're just a regular patron, we will send an excerpt of that uh, sometime after the show. All right. Well, you guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to check out those products I was telling you about, go to thepropreport.com and go to our products page. Buy our products, as Alex Jones would say. And you can find us, our extra content on Patreon at patreon.com slash propaganda report and rockfan, rockfan.com slash propaganda report. We will talk to y'all next week or in the Patreon 15. Have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>